You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Okay, strong in my mind is the communion that we're going to share this morning. And uh, like I've already made us understand, every time we have the privilege of sharing in the communion, I'm always afraid because I don't know about you, but um, I can't remember if even growing up I killed a chicken. You know, maybe I must have once or twice, you know, took part in cutting off the neck of the chicken. But even a chicken's death, but I've killed quite a number of mosquitoes and cockroaches, and I think I did some lizards as well. How many of us killed lizards? <laughs> you know, pursue them and kill them. And I think, you know, grasshoppers, yes, and, you know, I've done a bit of killing. Okay? Hallelujah. And one of the reasons I couldn't dare, you know, imagine to study medicine is that I can't cut. I can't even cut anything. You know, I can't even put a needle anywhere, you know. So when they say the broken body of our Lord and Savior Jesus and his shed blood, and he says, do this as often as you will in remembrance of me, I cannot take it lightly. You know, some preachers encourage, and I understand. They say, do it every time, do it all the time, do it at home. You and your family do it, do it in the morning, do it, you know, some churches do it every day, some people do it every week. You know, if I had my way, it wouldn't just become disobedience, maybe once a year. So that when we are coming to this table of communion, we will come in awe. Praise the Lord. It's very important, you know, because it's the strongest demonstration of our faith, is the strongest, you know. Uh, reality to what we have been called into that Jesus the son of God died for me that his blood was shed for me and then we are not taking our eyes from it he said do this in remembrance of me he says eat my flesh drink my blood it's not something you must take lightly and just like you know and the Bible being so complete, Paul the Apostle writing to the Corinthians said, it's because we are not doing this well, because you're not doing this well. He said, that's why many are sick. Do you know that's in the Bible? Let me show that to us this morning so you can understand my concern. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse um, 27 now, the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church says, therefore whoever eats this bread, or drinks this cup of the Lord in what? An unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So I can eat it in a manner that is not worthy of it. I can drink the cup in a manner that is not worthy of it. And he says, because of this, let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. He said, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So you have to ask yourself, what is this I've come to? What is this I've gotten involved in? Praise the Lord. What am I committing to? What am I inviting into myself? What am I exposing myself to? Verse 30 went on to say, it says, for this reason, many are weak, and sick among you and many sleep sleep is the new testament word of saying many die praise the lord now this is what the word of god says so when i come up here and i'm saying i'm careful i'm extremely cautious when it comes to the community i know what i mean because you and i can come in here you know and take the broken body and the shed blood you know as if it's just one of those things no there has to be a reorientation, an awakening. What have I come to do? 
And that's what we want to just try to do this morning because I thank God for the song that they sang. It captured it. It says, He is the perfect sacrifice. This is the Son of God we are talking about. Praise the Lord. Not just a man, not just a good man, not just a highly placed man, but this is the Son of God Himself. Praise the Lord. This is the Son of God come into the world. Coming for a purpose, coming with an agenda. And what was the agenda? To live and then to die and to be raised again on the third day for my justification, for your justification. Praise the Lord. However, the Bible is saying to you and I this morning that we must discern him. Now, I want to briefly just as quickly as I can and as aptly we can put it together to help you to begin to understand what it is and i'll try to do by way of comparison and um, analysis so that we can get a bit of it let me start from the account we looked at last sunday okay last sunday we looked at the madman of gathering how many of us remember him and we saw that the man was unclothed he was naked and his behavior and everything showed that this man had an unclean spirit okay now, in that community, if you asked anybody who was mad, everybody will immediately say, that's the madman there. Praise God. But you know, at the end of the story, what we realized, that when the story was ending, and Jesus had healed this madman, delivered him of the demons or devils that were disturbing him, and the man was clothed in his right mind, the people of the community said to Jesus, what? He said, depart from our city. Leave our region. Now, I want you to think about it. All those people who said that were clothed. All of them were assumed to be in their right mind. But by their judgment, were they really in their right minds? No, there was something missing. Because if a man had been delivered, a man with such a problem, and you could see the deliverer, and your judgment was to ask him to depart because... 2,000, you know, swine drowned in the water. And the man had not said his plan for you was over. Because if Jesus had said, I'm leaving you people the way, you know, it is, man, come and follow me. Then there might even be a sense of reason in what they did. But he hadn't finished. You people just came to see what he saw. He didn't ask him, Oga, what meanest thou by this? The thing you did is good, though. But how would this community survive? We survive by the trade of this swine. They didn't even give him that privilege. So we see that the average man can look very normal from the outside. But many of us need surgeries. Many of us need internal work. And that is what we are going to begin to find about this Jesus we are talking about. Because... Those people looked normal, but we could see that when Jesus dealt with the madman, he was not just cleansed inside, but he was also clean what? Outside. But many that you see are covered and they look well. Now, the society we live in, we've seen recently about um, a, a kidnapper that was being looked for in River State, who was, unquote, a worshiper in a church in Abuja. How many of us saw him? Now, could you see him and point at him and say, this is a murderer, a kidnapper, and all of that? You won't. Why? Because he covers up well. Now, that's what we want to begin to say about the blood of Jesus. In the beginning, when God created man, the Bible said, let us make man in our image according to what? Our likeness. And God made man like that. And man was, you know, all that God said he would be. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, when God was, you know, going to let man, you know, just live, he gave him some instructions. And part of what he said to him was in Genesis 2, 16 and 17. God commanded, the first place we have seen the word command, we saw God commanded and said to the man, of every tree of the fruit of this garden you may freely eat. But he told him of the tree, verse 17, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he says, you shall not what? Eat it. For in the day that you eat it, what will happen? You shall surely die. And now this is God speaking. Now, one of the things you learn is that when God speaks, he doesn't need to follow up for his performance. God speaking is already performance. Hello? So when God says, let there be light, he doesn't go and put on generator. You know, most of us in our house, when, you know, maybe at seven or depending on the time, you say, go and turn on light. 
Isn't that what we say? Then somebody goes and turns on the generator and then switches it on and then light comes. But when God says, let there be light, they don't go to turn on light. There is light. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's the word for somebody. So when he says you're healed, then don't wait for something else to happen. Don't wait for a feeling. Don't wait to shake. Hallelujah. Some of those things are, are distributed according to your childishness. You see, a lot of the things mature Christians look for from God are things that they give at evangelistical crusades for those who have never known God. But when you have come to know God, he expects that at his word. What did Peter say to Jesus? Master, I have told all night. And even as you're speaking, I can't see fish. Peter must have looked. He couldn't see fish. Because if he saw fish, he wouldn't say at your word. But the mature Christian has learned to know that when God speaks, he doesn't need to see. He takes a step. Is someone with me here today? Praise the Lord. So when he says a word to you, don't expect a feeling. The word is enough. Stand on it. Hold on to it. Trade on it. And you will see the performance in Jesus' name. Okay, so he said to man, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, if you move on to Genesis chapter 3, you see that man actually ate of the fruit of that tree. Adam ate, you know, Eve ate and gave Adam, both of them ate. And immediately the consequences began to, you know, flow out. What were the consequences? They knew they were naked. These were people that when they heard the voice of God, they would run out, you know, and fellowship with God. These were people that never quarreled. There was no blame game. Adam was so pleased to have Eve. Eve was so pleased to have Adam. And everything was beautiful. But the moment they ate it, see all the things that began to happen. They knew they were naked. When they heard the voice of God, they started running away. When God asked them questions, Adam said it's Eve. Eve said it's the serpent. And the serpent said it is... Uh, uh, the serpent must have said, don't mind them, disobedient children. You know that's what he does. He entices us and then accuses us. That's what he does. He's the accuser of the brethren, yet he's the enticer of the brethren. So that was what happened. And all that manifestation started, you know, showing However, God in his mercy and because of his eternal plan did something, which is where I want Genesis 3.21. You're going to see some. It's one line and it can easily be missed. But he says also for Adam and his wife, the Lord what? God made tunics of skin and clothed them. This is the beginning of sacrifices. And what is a sacrifice, you know, in this sense? Sacrifices where some, or atonement, maybe atonement is a better word, where something is done on behalf of some other person to provide, you know, for a settlement or to provide a covering, to make a way so that what should have been yours is no longer yours. In Nigeria's case, a sacrifice is bribery. You break, you know, the traffic light or something. You should be taken to station. Then police will tell you, if you go to station, they will test you. The current one they're using now is that um, road safety or VIO. Or those people that stop you, they catch you for using phone or breaking light. They will now tell you that, Oga, this offense you committed, if you go to office, they're going to do psychiatric check. Okay, from what I'm responding, I see they've caught a few of us. Psychiatric check, and then it's going to cost you this amount. And then they might seize your license for this amount. They're telling you the penalty that you deserve. Then they say if you can sacrifice 20,000, you wouldn't need psychiatric check. You wouldn't need any of those things. Understand? Now, when somebody gives them that 20,000, what he has done is that he has used it to atone and escape the due consequences of his offense, isn't it? Now, when man sinned, he was naked, he was unclothed, you know, had shame and all of that. But God now, the Bible says, make tunics of skin and clothe them. So man should have been complete naked. But God took innocent, we believe is a lamb from, you know, what happened in the next chapter. We believe is a lamb or two lambs or, you know, what, and killed them. And in the process, that was the first time there was a death in God's world. Okay, so he killed the lamb. In the process, what happened? The blood of the lamb flowed out. That blood of the lamb flowing out was to satisfy the blood of Adam and Eve that should have also what? Flowed down. And then because they were naked, they had lost the glory of God. Okay? Because what they lost wasn't physical clothing. They lost glory. Now, what God did was that he took the glory of an animal. He took the skin of an animal and clothed them. And that's how man has been living. That's why you can see men. 
looking so dignified. But when you hear what they did, you'll be wondering, is he an animal? He's actually an animal. It's just that they're managing him. Somebody hearing the word of God? Any man that is in under Adam, that's why you hear some time ago, it was as if he was heads of national institutions. There was the head of the World Bank that was, that did he rape, you know, a hotel cleaner? How many of us read it or tried some? You know, about four of them just had big men that when you see, you just want to, you know, honor them and celebrate them. But you're hearing things that they were doing and you're wondering, how can a big man like this do this? That big man is actually clothed, boropose. Every man, tunics of skin. The blood of the, you know, lamb went, blood, okay? And then they were covered. So throughout time, from that time, God was making do and was being patient that so that in the fullness of time, the Bible says in the fullness of time, God sent his only begotten son. Okay, so all that was in process and was like a host. So God was waiting that I will manage man until the perfect sacrifice will come. And when this perfect sacrifice will come, this problem will be solved once and for all. But up till then, what was happening was a management. Because the Bible makes us understand. It, it, it makes it very clear. It said the blood of lambs. Where, where do I have that scripture now? I think that's Hebrews. Um, is that Hebrews 10? Okay, let's do Hebrews 9 first. Hebrews 9 from verse 6. Okay. Now, when these things had been thus prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle, performing the services. Seven. It says, but into the second part of the, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance, okay? He said the Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing, verse 9. He says it was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him what? Who performed the service perfect in regard to conscience. I see what is happening. So it was being done, it was like a stopgap. Okay, continue. 10. He said, concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. Continue. He said, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and cows, But with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. I want to read for us where the Bible tells us that it was not possible for the blood of goats and cows to cleanse. Let's see um, chapter 10, 4. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It says what? It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could what? Take away sins. It is not possible. But for generations, this was what God accepted. Why? Because it provided a means, a way to hold things until the fullness of time. Okay? So much was this, you know, uh, act that God, even when he was going to deliver the nation of Israel from Egypt, Remember, he said to Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 4, you can put it on the screen, 22 and 23. He said to Moses to say to Pharaoh, Exodus 4, please, 22 and 23. He says, then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. He says, so I say to you, let my son go, that one, he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, what will happen? Indeed, I will kill your son your firstborn. Now, how did God play this out? God played it out in that when the plagues were coming and Pharaoh was not responsive, he now said to Moses, don't worry, I'm going to do one more thing. And when I do this thing, Pharaoh will actually drive you. And that's what he did in Exodus chapter 12 from 5. He told them, you're going to bring a lamb. Every family, you're going to bring a lamb. He says, without blemish, a male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. He says, you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. It says, do not eat it raw or boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its leg and its entrails. Then... It says, you shall let none of it remain until morning. What remains of, of it until morning you shall burn with fire. 
And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hands. So you shall eat it in haste. He says, it is the Lord's Passover. We're going on to 13. He says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. And will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. Against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. 13. Now, let's read this together. It says, now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, what will I do? I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, what that picture, just to get that right. So, so, is that when the blood is seen, God says, I will pass. Not that I will pass across you. He himself will stand at that door. Are you with me? Then the angel of death will not be able to access that particular house. You know, sometimes you read it, it will seem as if when the blood is there, the angel of death, you know, will now jump there. The angel of death is not jumping the house willingly. He's jumping the house because the Lord of glory is standing at the door. Is somebody getting me? It begins to help you to see what the blood is about. So God said to, say to Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn. Now, if you don't let my firstborn go, I'm going to deal with your firstborn. So God says to Moses, this is what you're going to do. Tell all the children of Israel, kill a lamb, you know, set a lamb aside, observe it for four days, kill it, take the blood, apply it, and then go into that house. We've learned that here. And shut the door. Make sure you're inside the house. I, God, will now release the angel of death. And say, go and strike every firstborn in Egypt. When the angel of death gets into Egypt. He actually doesn't know which firstborn is Israel. And which firstborn is not Israel. Praise the Lord. The only thing he realized that night is that when he got into Egypt. He realized that some houses had God himself standing before them. Is someone hearing me? You see, when you plead the blood of Jesus, it's not something you joke. We are talking at the throne room of a midweek service. About those who joke with the name. You, some of us watch comedy and somebody is calling the name of Jesus anyhow. Somebody, something happens. Yeah, blood of Jesus. When somebody does that, either you stop listening to him. If you can't, caution him. Because, you see, you cannot have a service man using his rifle, and when he lies, <laughs> he release some rounds. If he does that, his toy gun he's carrying. He won't remain in service. Are you getting me? So it's not something you call anyhow. When you speak that blood, you're provoking things. The Bible says the blood of Abel is still crying judgment, but the blood of Jesus, what's he did? He's speaking mercy. So it's not something you joke about. So the invocation of that blood actually invites the very presence of God. Now, what happened here is this. Why are we looking at this? We want to see the evolution of how this blood became what it is, you know, for you and I today that we're going to partake of it. So for that season, God said, when you take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost of your homes and enter inside, it says, I will take that blood as though it's mine and I will stand. And then the angel of death, when he comes, will no longer need to enter into that house because he will be taking that word. The firstborn in this house has already what? Been dealt with. Praise the Lord somebody. It was based on that superior application of God's wisdom, God's power, and God's love that Israel could live. And notice what also happened with the blood. It wasn't just that it protected Israel. It brought them favor because by the next morning when they were being asked to go, they went to their neighbors who were mourning. Praise the Lord. And they said to them, we are leaving Egypt. We are leaving Egypt. Give us your gold. Boros your gold, boros your silver, boros that uh, uh, Hollandis, boros uh, what are the things? You see, there is this trinket you have, I like it. And they lend them, why? You know why? Because when the blood speaks for you, it speaks favor, it speaks protection, it speaks prosperity, it speaks everything. Praise the Lord, somebody. And remember, they said that throughout as they journeyed in the wilderness, it says there was none feeble about them. Because when you take the blood, it's like there's, there's this medicine that the laborers take in Nigeria. When they take it, even if they have malaria, they don't feel it until they finish working. But it's a dangerous thing. When they take it, you see them, you see them carrying that. They are moving. They are no longer conscious of themselves. It's until the thing wears out. The good news is that the blood never wears out. Praise the Lord, somebody. No, it, it never wears out. It never, wear, it never wears out. 
But it empowers you. So the people under that unction, with that listen, they journeyed and there was none weak. So the aged amongst them were journeyed. The little children amongst them were journeying. That's how powerful it is, okay? But yet, that still was not the total demonstration of what God is there, you know, what we have in this dispensation. Praise the Lord. Why am I saying that? Because, yes, they were delivered. Yes, they got up. But you could see that from time to time, their hearts were still stony. God would part the Red Sea for them, and then they'll cross the Red Sea, and then the next moment, they're looking and they're wondering, he said, uh, why is there bitter water here? We should have remained in Egypt. So even though their circumstances were changed, their consciences were undelivered. They still had an evil heart. The Bible calls it an evil heart of unbelief. So they needed a constant shot of miracles to keep them. I pray that's not your portion. Because some of us are here now and we're in situations where as far as we are concerned, God has failed us. Because the latest miracle on your list, God hasn't performed it. But he performed all the 99. He's remaining this one. And because of that, you're asking God questions. God, where are you? And where you're standing is the last miracle God worked for you. Somebody say, I repent. Praise the Lord. Okay, so they were moving in that direction. But that issue was still there. So the Bible begins to say to us that God wanted the prophets of God. Ezekiel began to prophesy something. In Ezekiel uh, chapter 11, please, 19 and 20, God began to say something. He says, Ezekiel 11, 19, he says, I'm going to do something. I'm going to give them a heart. I'm going to put a new spirit within them. I'm going to take the stony heart out of them. Remember, these people were already God's people. When they, okay, they have been delivered from, from Israel. But there was something about them. You know, God would tell them, okay, go and take the land. And they'll say, no, God, you brought us here to kill us. God will give them manna, they'll eat manna, they say, what is this manna? We want onions, we want garlic, we want the very food that we ate in slavery. You can imagine the food they ate in slavery, being compared to manna, whereas the Bible says manna was angel's food. When the heart is wrong, you can't do right. Praise the Lord. When somebody's heart is wrong towards you, you can't do him right. Whatever you do, they're going to find something wrong with it. I've told you about my village people. You know, a wealthy man comes home for Christmas and he distributes bags of rice and maybe 10,000 10, to all the you know, people in the neighborhood. He says, hey, he has brought this rice and this 10,000 to buy our destiny. The man comes back now and doesn't give anybody rice and give any. He says, hey, he's a wicked man. That's... So there's no way out. When somebody's heart is wrong. So that's the challenge. Whatever God did, they had complaints. So God says, I'm going to walk a walk in them. He says, I'll give them one heart. I'll put a new spirit within them. And what am I going to do? I'm going to take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. I'm going to do a surgery. Ezekiel 36 also, 25 now. He says something that is even more direct. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. He says, I will cleanse you from all your filthiness. And from all your idols, continue please to 27. He says, I will give you a new heart. So I'm going to wash off all that junk. And then I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. 27. He says, I will put my spirit. For those who were at Sunday school today, we're talking about the feeling of the Holy Spirit. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you. To walk in my statutes and you'll keep my judgments and do them. Now, there's something here just quickly for somebody. If you find it a struggle obeying God, ask yourself, what is my operating system? Because you see, when you carry God's operating system, you will also have a desire to obey him. Did somebody hear me? He says, I will put my spirit what? And what would that lead to? It will be a cause to what? cause you to walk in my statutes. You see, the child of God, you actually don't come to church to be told what not to do or what to do. You come to church to be encouraged because if you have the Holy Spirit, there's already desire in you to do what you should do. And if for any reason you're doing what you shouldn't do, when you come, you're already asking God for forgiveness. So when you come, we encourage one another. We look into the word and we see that the one who began the good work in you is still faithful and is working it. So you come and you receive a freshness and you go into the new week revived and strengthened in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. So this is what he said he was going to do. Why? Because these people had some internal problems. Now this went on and went on and went on. 
until Jesus came. And that's the basis of the conversation that Jesus had with the Jews in John chapter 6. You can come there with me, please. In John chapter 6, is such a long one, and um, we need to jump here, jump here. But, but I, I want to begin from 26. You know, after he had worked the miracle of the feeding of the multitude, and they were seeking him. They were searching, Rabbi, Rabbi, when did you come? Rabbi, where are you? Rabbi, where are you? And they found Jesus, and Jesus answered to them in verse 26, and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me what? Not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. He said, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. Which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has said it's still on him. Now, what was Jesus saying here? Jesus was saying to the Jews, you're still too focused on the externals. You ate miracle loaf, and because of that, your desire is for me. He said it's okay. But this desire is for the loaf I present. You should look to have me. The intent of God when Jesus was coming into the world was no longer to wash us. The skin of the lamb was covering us. But when God was sending his son, remember in the beginning, what did he say? Let us make man in our image according to what? Our likeness. In Christ's coming, he came to redeem man to the total position that God had intended from the beginning. It wasn't to manage man. So Jesus was saying to the Jews, you're following me, but can you read what is at the back of this? Can you see that there is someone amongst you who has come to bring God back to you? Remember, you know, part of what they said that Jesus' concept was Emmanuel, God one with us was that now god is amongst us god is no longer far we are no longer you know shouting to god god is dwelling in our midst okay so he said to them you're missing something you're still looking at the external that's why this level of christianity where is my problems my problems my problems cannot be what it is why because there'll be problems before there have been problems before jesus came there'll be problems you know all over and you'll continue to have problems once somebody's alive you will solve one problem glory to god what is going to happen the next problem will come it's as simple as that hallelujah so imagine if you made your life all about that so he said to them there is something deeper he said labor for the food that endures it toward everlasting life and what was that food so they got onto conversation with him and they were really interested and they said to him okay what shall we do that we may walk the works of god he said this is the work of god that you believe in him whom he sent you know all the while i never really understood why he said this to them because but now i said he was saying that to them to lay foundation to what he was yet going to say to them believe in me now what was it he finally said to them let's jump because of time to verse 53 and see what he said to them. They had told him, okay, which bread are you even talking about? Moses gave us bread now. And Jesus said to them, the bread Moses gave you is not bread from heaven. He says, I am the true bread from heaven. This is me. And he said to them in 53, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, what will happen? He said, you have no life in you. He said, whoever eats my flesh... And drinks my blood, has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. He said, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I was in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the man and death. He who eats this bread will live forever. Now, let's read 56 again. 56 says, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, what happens? Abides in me and I in him. Now, remember, we've been managing man being camouflaged. God has been managing man covered. God has been saying, okay, with the blood of bulls, let him apply it. Let's, you know, wink at it. Let them continue. So every year, the high priest will have to go in, offering blood sacrifices so that the nation of Israel can be accepted. You know, they kept doing that, doing that. But this time came, God said, we are no longer going to do it over. We're going to intermingle ourselves. Are you with me? Now, so when Jesus said to the disciples and was saying to the Jews here, 
unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. He was saying to them at this point, the total plan of God is coming to fullness. That you will no longer be different. The plan is that you, when you stand, they cannot separate Jesus from you. And they can't separate you from Jesus. Is somebody understanding what I'm saying? So the whole thing about the communion is that what you eat, if you eat something, can it be taken out of you? Once you eat it, it's you. That's why Paul will warn them that those who eat this in an unworthy manner, they're eating judgment because, you see, it's okay if I'm a thief, if I'm a fornicator, whatever it is, and I do whatever I want to do. But the wahala is when I will take Jesus with me. Is somebody getting in now? You see, if I'm any of that, there is good news. Jesus today says what? I will wash you. I will sprinkle clean water and you'll be clean. I'll give you a new heart. But when you continually keep coming and then you take the blood and you take the broken body and then you go back to the same place. What I did, Paul was writing, he says, will you make Jesus a partaker of halots? Is somebody getting what is happening here? Because now God is not covering you. He's saying, I'm entering inside of you. He says, says, he who is my flesh abides in me and what? And I in him. He says, we are taking it to another level. We are pushing it. It's no longer coming to church. Praise the Lord. It's no longer my my father's church or my brother's church. It's no longer I'm Anglican or I'm Catholican. No, it's that Jesus has now become your life. It's like now you and Jesus are intermingled. Now, the implication of this is this, is that you are no longer your own, praise the Lord. You are no longer normal. There are so many things about it. You are no longer traceable. Jesus said to Nicodemus that he that is born of the Spirit, how is it? He says like the wind. He says no man really knows. Why? Because a normal man should respond like this. But you're no longer a normal man. You're a man abiding in Jesus and Jesus in, is in you. So you should respond this way. But Jesus says today, let's respond what? This way. So they look at you. They can't trace you. Now, what also does that imply for you and I on the other dimension? Is that when you stand, sir, your authority and your influence and your impact goes beyond this world the bible talks about having tasted of the powers of what the age to come so the bible records for us the seven sons of skiva okay these people they looked exactly like paul they looked exactly like peter they looked at the disciples they looked at them they saw they had beard they grew beard you know they saw they shaved their heads in particular way they shaved their head in a particular way they saw that when they see demons they say come out you unclean spirit so they went the same way and when they saw a demon-possessed man, they went to the demon-possessed man and said, well, Come out! We adjure you in the name of Jesus. And then the demon-possessed man looked, and he, saw, he looked at them very well. And he saw that they just had covering. They had nothing inside. They were still carrying their dam's tunic of skin. They had the sound. They did not have the relationship. Is somebody hearing me? <laughs> the demon said, look, look at these people. It's, what did he say again? They said, Come out! I adjure you by Christ that Paul prayed. Come out. He said, don't you have manners? Christ is head unto principalities and power. The born again Christian, Paul, is seated in Christ in heavenly places, far above. Christ is abiding in Paul. Paul is abiding in Christ. So when Paul says to me, come out, no matter how I look at Paul, Christ is in him. He's like a small child that is hiding behind the father. I'm doing like this to you. And the father is yoga. You're just smiling. <laughs> Until you have opportunity when two of them are separated, isn't it? Paul is in Christ. Christ is in Paul. So when he says to demons, go out. They look, they say, we, we have, let's go. So they say to them, who are you? Paul, we know. Jesus, we know, right? He says, but who are you to talk to us like that? And they didn't take it lightly. You know the rest of the story. They beat them very well. Because you see, (laughs) somebody said that the only disobedience that you should disobey in a country is taking over power. You don't get it. Do you understand? Because when you take over power, you become the power. You become the obedience. Then it's those who are disobeying you that are disobeying. I get it now. So when the demons realize, they beat those people. So that when they go, they'll begin another gospel. They say those demons are powerful. Anyway, the message there is this. 
when you and I have this relationship with Christ, it comes with too many benefits. But you need to understand what it's about. Because it's like uh, that Dr. Nuzo will always teach us. A lot of the temptations you go through is not about your survivor. It's about the power. Praise the Lord. It's about the power. The littlest Christian who is born again is a terror to the kingdom of darkness. Do you understand what I'm saying? The littlest believer who knows who he is is a general. We learned on Wednesday that when Jesus was commissioning them in Mark, he said to them, in my name, you know what it means? In my name means, um, I read some time ago, a few years ago, when um, these online transactions came up. A child in the UK picked up the mother's tablet and used it to order goods worth 20-something thousand pounds. Now, I'm sure the child didn't know what he or she was doing. He was just entering, order, bim, bam, bam, order. As long as the thing was coming in, the computer knew who was typing. The people selling, did they know who they were selling? What they know was that the credit, the everything, the, I'm sure the lady, the mother must have saved all her credit details in. As she was just going, the thing was going. It was until the credit limit, as you know, was um, exceeded that she got a message that your credit li- limit has increased so that more purchases can go. And then she went out and found out that it was the little child that was playing with her tablet. Now, it was a, a difficult case for them to, you know, to argue out. But you ordered. Now, that is what Jesus is saying. In my name, when you speak with authority, with understanding, in the name of Jesus, demons will not measure, provided you have that relationship with him. Is somebody getting in there? They will know that somebody has spoken from a place of authority and power. They will have no choice but to adjust. Is somebody hearing me? Will somebody begin to speak from today? Will somebody bind from today? Will somebody lose from today? Are you getting what we are talking about? That's why we come. So it says, do this in remembrance of me. You're not friends with some pauper. The king of kings has brought himself and said, you are together with me in this thing. I've joined with you. You've eaten my... You know, sometimes you talk about someone, you say, how do you even know? How do you... Somebody say, we went to school together. That's all. Somebody will say, ah, we grew up together. Another person will say, ah, he's my friend. We even played football together. Those are levels of association. But this one is that you've eaten him. And you eat him. You carry him. And then he carries you. Are you understanding the communion now? Are you understanding why the early church had to do it? They, they, they had to remind themselves. We, this man that we know. This mighty miracle worker. This son of God that lived and died. He's not just in heaven. He's dwelling in us. So when they went out and confronted situations. They were not going back to get reinforcement. They knew that inside of them, the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is what? In the world. They said, this is the victory that overcomes the world. What is it? It says our faith, our confidence in what is true. That's what it is. So this morning when we're coming to the, you must understand what we're coming for. Now let me help you understand this and further break it down. There's this new drug that... Um, I don't know how my wife discovered it. It's called Sempain. How many of us know Sempain? You know Sempain. Now, if you take Sempain and you don't provide enough time to sleep, when you wake up the next morning, for the whole day, you'll be half asleep and half awake. It's supposed to make you, you know, make you sleep in the night. Now, I don't take it, you know why? I don't plan to be half awake the next day. So I have, I'm careful. Sometimes I, I took it, I think, you know, some time ago when I was having jet lag, I had to take it, you know, to adjust my timing. Now, when you take that, you know it will do its work. Praise the Lord. If you don't let it do its work, it will have consequences on you. You must come to where you know that your faith works. And if you don't allow it to work the way it should work, there will be consequences. Every powerful drug has side effects. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? You see, every time you hear communion, don't forget what I'm saying to you. You cannot eat of the broken body and take of the shed blood of Jesus and then still be thinking normally. No, you have been empowered. Do you understand? There's a renewal that has taken place. The things you run away from, you need to go back to them. The people that said no to you, you need to go like somebody who did, uh, what did, what did they call it? A makeover. 
and go back to the same situation and find out whether they can see you clearly now. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? That's what it is. Now, whereas all the while men were doing what they were doing with covered management. In Christ, it is no longer, we are not just covered. That's why Jesus said to them, it is expedient for you that I go. You know why? As long as he was here, all that he was doing, he was with them. He was for them, right? He was amongst them. So in the boat, when he was sinking, remember they had to go and wake him up in the stern of the ship and say what? Master, carry it's not doubt that we perish, okay? Remember the other time also when he was walking, he was walking there and they were in the boat here. Yeah. So there, Peter, you know, walked and they were saying they saw him. Now, but Jesus said, I'm going to provide something better for you. Because what I'm going to do now is that I will ask the Father. And what will he do? He said he will send his spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, what is he going to do? He says he will be in you and then he will be amongst you. That amongst you means that I carry the Holy Ghost. You carry the Holy Ghost. You carry the Holy Ghost. When we come together, you know what it's like? It's like bringing broomsticks. You know a broomstick? When you take one broomstick, what do you do? You break it. When you take probably two, you break it, right? But when you bring a bunch of broomsticks, can you break it? Let's jump up on our feet this morning. Is somebody getting it now? So we now have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. She has the Holy Spirit. And then when we gather together, it says he will be in you and then he'll be amongst you. Listen, the most powerful force that is created now is amongst the people of God. But you see, we've learned it here, and I need to repeat this so that nobody gets it wrong. When we don't understand what we are privileged to have, God in his mercy will dilute it so that, praise the Lord somebody. When we don't understand, when we are not disciplined enough, when we don't catch, you know, an understanding of the full import of God's intention of this fellowship, he himself will need to, you know, put a restraint. Because the way God plans this thing to operate, we were shown an example in Acts of the Apostles. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You know, this brother comes and gives his testimony. Say, hallelujah, this brother comes and gives. Then another brother comes or maybe a sister comes and says, praise the Lord. We say, praise the Lord. Do you know, I got a contract of one billion. Hallelujah. God did it for me. I fasted and I prayed. And then, why she's saying it? She just falls down and dies. Then we realize that she didn't fast and pray. She slept with many men to get the contract. That's what their Holy Ghost should do. But you see, if he does it now, will anybody remain? So God has, you know, shut down. So there is provision for comedy. You know, the Bible says, who shall ascend to the hill of the Most High? It says, he that had what? Clean hands. Who has not offered a soul to an idol? Okay, who, who has not, uh, not sworn deceitfully? Okay, all of that. Most times where we are sent to is the ceiling. So he'll just keep it there so that we can come and have church. When we finish having church, we'll go. Because if he does it the way he wants to do it. But are there people who say, Lord, give it to us as it's meant to be? You don't want it as it's meant to be. Are there people who are saying, Lord, give it to us as it is meant to be? Hey, I'm not getting a good response. <laughs> That's why the world is playing with us. That's why in the East, native doctors are becoming more popular than churches. That's why the world is where it is. Because the people who have it, they're not ready. People are not ready for sanctification and separation. What you want is showmanship and, you know, somebody to just hype you. No, no, there is power in this thing we are talking about. Let me help you understand what I'm talking about. How many of us have had dreams here? And something terrible was about to happen. When you called the name of Jesus, did anything happen? Because in your dream, you don't lie. I get, in that state, everything is functioning the, the way it should function. But because they know that many things you're saying now, you don't mean it. They, they downplay. They reduce the volume. Turn off the mic. Turn off. Turn off. Off the mic. They say off their mic. Off their mic. They're not ready. But is anybody here saying, Lord, I'm ready. Paul writing to us says, whosoever eats and drinks, not discerning, brothers and sisters, there is healing power here. There is favor here. The nation of Israel, when they 
partook of that uh, roasted lamb and put the blood. When they went out, they didn't hear no. Nobody could say no to them. That was the blood of a lamb. What we have today is Jesus' blood, Jesus' broken body. And more so, where he is, he's making intercessions. He's watching over. He said, let this thing work in her life. Let it work in my son's life. Let it work in my daughter's life. Are we ready to give him the cooperation? Because the Bible says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? One of the things we learned on Wednesday, please, if you are not in church, get a message, is that Jesus is principled. He can't force himself on you. He can't force a commitment on you. That's why if you read the scriptures, not everywhere he keeps saying if, 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 if any man will, if any man chooses, if any man. Why? Because he can't force himself, but he's open and ready. But if you agree, he's already agreed. Somebody saying yes to Jesus. Can we just begin to bless the Lord? Can we begin to tell him that from our hearts we want to take him? We are coming to this table of communion, please. We are coming today and we want to be totally intertwined with you. He said, he that eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Sir, it means I'm changing. It means I'm transformed. It means I will not go back to the same place I used to go to. It means I will not watch what I used to watch. It means I will not be also afraid of what I used to be afraid of. It means that somebody in the next few days will say, Sir, something has changed about you. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Because he's now abiding in me. Listen, he's saying, you know, I started by saying I can't remember killing a chicken. Blood is powerful. That's why, depending on the level of native doctors, there are some, when people consult them, they ask for blood of pigeon, blood of, you know, chicken, and they graduate blood of turkey, you know, they graduate to blood of, you know, uh, gold, blood of ram, blood of, you know, cows and all of that, you know. The blood you and I are dealing with is not the blood of an animal. It's not even the blood of a man. Are you getting in now? The highest the people of the world could go to is human sacrifice. And you know what? It avails them something. We've said there that in the spirit, there is no disobedience. Blood speaks. Blood influences. And a lot are there. And that's why even in that world, that blood is in categories. So the blood of a criminal they are not looking for it. You see them, they're looking for the blood of a hunchback, the blood of a virgin, the blood of this, you know, a blood of infant and all that. They're trying to get as, as pure and as valuable as possible. But you and I are not coming from down. We are coming from above. Are you with me? You're coming from above. If there is any power in any sacrifice at all, this is it. This is the greatest access to power that can ever be granted to man he says come this is my body broken for you this is my blood shed for you you've been listening to a message by pastor ikenao keke of the father's church we are sure you've been blessed we invite you to worship with us at eden center Barnex Guarimpa Expressway near next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.